0: We just pray that prayer together this morning. God be our vision. God be our vision. Be our wisdom. Be our treasure. You are ruler of all, you are high king of heaven. And we thank you that you love your little flock enough to bestow. A kingdom on us, that we are part of your kingdom, your kingship, your rule in this world. And I pray that we will live as those whose citizenship is in heaven and that we will eagerly expect a Savior from there, Jesus Christ the Lord, who by the same power that enables him to bring everything under his control will someday transform our lowly bodies to become like his glorious body. Be our vision. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus. To reach out and touch him and say that we love him. Open our ears, Lord. And help us to listen. Be our vision. In Jesus' name. Amen. Some days are easier than others to see a vision of who God is. We find ourselves, I see a lot of orange in the room. We find ourselves on the... uh, on the heels of a, a great victory yesterday. And I was particularly interested in, uh, I, don't, I don't know where um, Nathaniel Gurley is in the room, but Nathaniel made a prediction early yesterday and said, so the Astros are winning it tonight. I have spoken. And so... And so it was ordered and it happened. And uh, congratulations uh, to Nathaniel and to our city and to the Astros. I was interested in the win it for Dusty movement. Even people who don't like the Astros were like, but I'd like to see him win. And then I was particularly interested in his words. Did you hear him last night in the interview when he said, they said to him, was it hard all those times when you got so close with other teams? Sometimes it looked like you had a World Series in the bag and then it was just... Just a victory was snatched from your hands. Did it feel hard? And he said, my parents taught me perseverance. What a great lesson. We talked last week about endurance and staying under the load. And Jesus, who for the joy before him, endured, persevered through the cross, and then sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, establishing his victory as the high king of heaven and our ultimate victory in him, we win in the end. And our father, like Dusty Baker's parents, is trying to teach us the importance of perseverance. And we can't learn that lesson If we are always in charge, and everything always goes our way, and we always win, and the traffic on I-10 parts for us when we enter the freeway, it turns out that those losses and difficulties in life are instrumental. Jonathan Haidt, who is a prominent uh, child psychologist posed a, an interesting question. He said, if somebody gave you parents a script of your children's lives and also an eraser and you could edit what happened in your children's lives. So when your child turned five years old, it was discovered that he had a learning disability, that reading reading, would be difficult for him. Wouldn't you want to take that eraser? Some of you have been through that. If you discovered that your child in high school would have a, a group of friends who were dear and one of them would die of cancer, you would want to erase that difficulty, wouldn't you? If, if you knew that your son would get into college but then he would have a car accident in which his leg was injured To take that out or that he would fall in love and get married and then someday there would be difficulties in that marriage. Erase that. He said it's interesting how we work really hard to prevent our children from stubbing their toe. We would lift them with angels wings so that they never go through a difficulty and yet isn't it your story? I know it's my story, that through some of the worst things that happened to me, the hardest times, I discovered the amazing providence and blessing of God so that I can stand before you today and say, God didn't eliminate every difficult thing in my life. In fact, the story of Jesus is, when Jesus went to the cross, the Father did not pull out the eraser, but through his son's crucifixion, he redeemed the world, including us. And if you will receive it, as many of our brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing persecution this very morning, God still does not take away the hard things in our lives. And the people who first heard the sermon that we call the book of Hebrews had not the slightest notion that they were just about to take charge of the world and rule the government. They didn't think that, but they believed that whatever happened, the high king of heaven would be enough for them. And so they persevered. Would you open your Bibles with me? Hebrews chapter twelve. We're in a series called "Receiving the Unshakable Kingdom." If you're reading ahead, you know that's the last part of this chapter where he says we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Last week we talked that, we talked about unshakable faith. Today we are encouraged to endure through hardship. Some of you have a PhD in hardship, and some of us are in kindergarten still, but. All of us will face it if we live long enough. Open your Bibles with me. Stand with me. Thank you, Ashley, for that powerful, powerful word. It helps us, I think, to understand what we mean when we talk about the goodness of God. The writer of Hebrews writes verse 4, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God... But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace in those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet. So that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, the writer of Hebrews gives us a, a picture of life as it is. He was writing to believers in the first century who were enduring some very difficult things. And the first thing he does is point them to Jesus who endured the cross. And he reminds them they're in this stadium, and they are running the race, and they're surrounded by other people who were faithful, and Jesus was faithful. And the second thing he says to them is God uses. This is how big our God is. He can use the good things and the bad things in our lives to accomplish the best things that he wants for us. The writer of Hebrews didn't know anything about that uniquely 20th and 21st century Christian theology that says If you just do the right thing, God will never let you have a problem. He didn't know anything about name it and claim it theology. He didn't know anything about this idea that we never have a problem once we become followers of Jesus because he was watching those first century Christians struggle. This is not the time, by the way, of Domitian or Vespasian or Trajan where people are dying for the sake of their faith. He says, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Not yet, he says. And the implication is, you may, but... We come from this long line of believers who have endured. And his words, I think, are especially powerful for us today as he helps us to think about the reality of our suffering and how God is working in our world. And as one older pastor at an evangelism conference I attended years ago said, when God gives us tribulation, he expects us to tribulate. When God gives you something hard, it may be that he's trying to bring something out of that. And I'm sorry if you have heard the soft message in the churches today that says, God is really your concierge. And he's here to make you happy. Because the writer of Hebrews says, even more important, God is trying to make us holy. And unless and until we are holy, we will never ever see God as our vision. 2 Timothy 3.12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Listen to Paul in Acts chapter 14 right after he's been stoned nearly to death and he gets up and dusts himself off and says in his next sermon, through many hardships, we must enter the kingdom of God. It was sometime in my teens at my first church that I was called upon to do the first funeral. By the way, the first funeral I ever attended, I was the preacher. And there when Brother Thomas uh, passed away, this godly deacon with whom I had gone bird hunting with his Brittany Spaniels, this godly man and i remember finding because i didn't know anything about funerals a book on funerals and in it there was a little poem god has not promised read it sometime this week what god has not promised flowery pathways all the way through life but he has promised he has promised abiding peace and love I, i wish i could tell you today oh you'll never have another problem but i would be lying to you and I try not to do that it turns out our suffering may be mysterious we live in this broken world where we are susceptible to illness at the very moment last night when Alvarez hit that that Titanic massive home run at that very moment I received a phone call from a young man who was in my youth group at my second church He's now in his 50s, which is hard for Melanie and I to imagine. We remember him at 16. But he was calling me to tell me that his dad had been diagnosed with inoperable cancer. And I prayed with him on the phone right after. I had to mute the TV to answer the call. This is the world That we live in as Jeanette Cliff George, that wonderful saint who went home to be with the Lord not long ago. She was a part of us uh, as a part of the, the players, the AD players. She said, We can belong to God and become who He wants us to be because we are beloved, because God loves us, because He's our Father. In our struggles, He actually confirms that we are His children. Do you hear? him as he describes it there, and he, he basically does an exegesis of Proverbs 3, 11, and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Do not resent his rebuke, for the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in remember these early christians lived in a world that was not especially christian not especially interested in christians and in that world he was saying to them you're going through some hard things but god is working even through those difficult things hear me clearly this is not a a definitive explanation of all suffering it's not that's not what he's trying to do he's particularly i think talking about people who are persecuted and 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 struggling And he says in, in the middle of this, God can use anything in our lives to accomplish his greater purpose. What he's trying to do is to train us. That's another word for discipline. He's trying to train us. He's preparing us. He's working in our lives. And so he makes this analogy. He says parents discipline their children or at least They ought to discipline their children. Zig Ziglar said a child who's not disciplined in love by his little world, that is his parents, will be disciplined without love by the big world. There is truth in that. Parents discipline their children and and the writer of Proverbs and Solomon, who had more kids than Solomon, he knew what he was talking about when he was talking to his son and he says... Not only do I discipline you, but, but the Lord also disciplines you. This is such a, a contrast, I think, with much of what I hear. Lisa knows more about what's going on in the world of parenting and children, I suppose, than the rest of us on staff. And she said there's this new concept. Have you heard of it called gentle parenting? I just want to be a voice to say my parents did not believe in gentle <laughs> parenting. I thought about reaching out to my dad and saying, have you ever heard of this? Here are the principles. Um, Instead of commenting on the person, this makes sense to me, by the way, comment on the action. Deal with the action. Second, model all kinds of kindness. Three, swap commands for an invitation. I don't remember my dad doing this, but an invitation to work together. Fourth, encourage the positive action. And I was trying to reconcile that with my dad looking at me when I was a child And saying to me if you do that again I will bring smoke on you (laughs) I didn't know what smoke meant but I knew I didn't want that we called it the fear of Jake and I say this my dad was a he was a loving disciplinarian but he was a disciplinarian I don't know if we turned out good the jury's not in yet I've got three brothers who knows how we're gonna turn out but I'll tell you this When my dad disciplined me, and his experience of discipline from his father, I think had not always been loving. But my dad was determined. I mean, he would say things like like this to us. So if you use drugs, you're going to end up in prison and something terrible is going to happen to you there. So I would rather discipline you now so that that never happens. This was the way my, my father thought. But I tell you this, and I say this sincerely, My dad is up in Colorado. He listens to these sermons sometimes. I don't know if he will hear this one or not. I'll have to be careful what I say. I don't want him to bring smoke on me. (laughs) Because I think he still could. But when my dad punished me, as John Perkins would later say in his book, When Justice Rolls Down, about his father, who was not a good disciplinarian, but this is what he said, when my dad disciplined me, I knew this for sure, he was at least acknowledging that we had a relationship. He said that as his dad walked away. My father-in-law had a very similar experience, his dad walking away on on a railroad track, never to come back again. This is what I know, that the Lord is confirming the fact that we are his children when he disciplines us, but he disciplines us in a different way. And sometimes when life isn't going well, especially when we're facing strong headwinds we may think why did god abandon me we can be forgiven if occasionally we've thought that or said that out loud john chrysostom said the very thing that makes us feel deserted actually gives us confidence that we have not been deserted in fact if we've never been disciplined then we're not really children there's no relationship So God hastens and chastens, we used to sing. If we're, verse 8, never disciplined by God, then we're not really His children at all. God does discipline us. Our Father disciplines us as His children precisely because He loves us. Not not to condemn us, not to destroy us, but to strengthen us and restore us. And He speaks, as C.S. Lewis said, He whispers in our pleasure he speaks in our conscience sometimes he shouts in our pain I'm not saying God always causes our pain we live in a fallen world where we're susceptible to illness and and to the whims of people who aren't very good or aren't very nice I understand that but I'm telling you that in the worst of our lives God is still on his throne he's still working so Eugene Peterson had it right when he said suffering is not evidence of God's absence but of his presence it's in our experience of being broken that God does his surest and most characteristic salvation work and there's a way to accept and embrace and deal with suffering that results in a better life not a worse one more of his experience of God not less God is working out his salvation in our lives the way he's always worked it out where You heard it, I think, in Ashley's testimony, in the place of brokenness at the cross of Jesus. And that's the place where we take up our cross. Second thought, in our struggles, not only is our father confirming that we are his children, but he is conforming, he is working, conforming us to our suffering Savior for our good to make us holy. So know this about God's discipline in our lives. The contrast is there. He's not saying it's like a parent who, who spanks a child. What he's saying is, we, we earthly parents, we sometimes get it right. We sometimes get it wrong. Sometimes we discipline out of our anger. Sometimes we don't handle it well, but here's the difference. When God uses discipline in my life and yours, he does it for our good, for our ultimate good, to make us good. Not to make me feel good in the moment, but to make me eternally good so that I may share in his holiness, because if I don't share in his holiness, I will never, ever see God. That's what he says to the Hebrews. That's what he's saying to us. That discipline in the moment is never pleasant, but God's discipline is purposeful in my life. He's out to make something out of us. And some of you are in that crucible right now. My friend, another Dusty, Dusty Beats. While Dusty Baker was celebrating at the At the juice box, my friend Dusty Beats was hurting in a hospital in Waco, and his son was calling me. Listen to James. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work. Don't short-circuit it. So that you can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. One of my memory verses for this year, Romans 5. Not only so, but we also glory. We boast, he says, in our sufferings because suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is... God's promise that he's working and what exactly is God doing you you may wonder that what is God trying to do in my life right now oh he's trying to make me like Jesus I I heard about a, a business that posted a sign when they went out of business that said out of business we didn't know what our business was And I'm telling you, I don't believe the church of Jesus Christ is ever going to go out of business. But I believe the ones that will struggle the most are those who don't understand what our business is. Our business is to make disciples of Jesus Christ who willingly went to the cross so that we could, Peter said, follow in his steps. And the world doesn't get better. I mean, we ought to do everything we can to make this world a better place. But it doesn't get better by us taking over. It gets better on that day when Jesus Christ comes personally, visibly, powerfully, victoriously to reign. And this is our hope. And this hope will not put us to shame because God's love. It's it's Romans 8. You know this one. And we know that in all things, in all things, really all things, yeah, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Is that you? Do you love him? This is not a blanket promise for everybody. But for those who love him, for those who have been called according to his purpose, this is the promise. He's working all things together for good. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to what? To be conformed. So here's the deal. When you became a Christian, your destiny was certain. And here's here's your destiny. You say, Well, I'm going to go to the right place. You're going to become like Jesus. And yes, you're going to be in the right place. That is the promise. Tom Landry, uh, who was one of my favorite coaches in another another time of my life, and this Christian coach of the Dallas Cowboys, said, The job of a coach is to make men do what they don't want to do in order to be to be what they've always wanted to be. Think of Jesus agonizing in that garden. If there's any way that I don't drink this cup of crucifixion, if there's another path, let me do that. And Hebrews 5 says, although he was a son, Jesus, do you remember this verse? This is in Hebrews. He learned obedience from what he suffered, and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Here's the point. God's discipline in my life produces good things. Like, like what? Like holiness. He sets me apart for himself. God's discipline in my life produces, he says, a harvest of righteousness and peace if I am trained by it. Are we willing to be trained or are we determined to go our own way? I, I, I thought about this this week and I just wrote these words. This is all to our gain. When we remain in pain and are trained by pain, one day we will reign this is God's promise I can't promise you today that you won't have a hard day I can promise that whatever your worst hardship is even on that day God is still working and accomplishing and achieving his purpose of making us holy James Russell Lowell put it better he was a better poet than your than your pastor and this is what James Russell Lowell said, truth forever, does this feel like right now sometimes? Truth forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne, yet that scaffold sways the future and behind the dim unknown standeth God within the shadow, keeping watch above his own. There were some ladies in a Bible study, studying Malachi, And they came to that passage in Malachi chapter 3 where it says, I will sit over Israel like a refiner with a fire who's refining and purifying silver. And one of the ladies in the Bible study said, you know, I, I think I want to go find out what that means. So she actually went to a silversmith's place of work and said, can I watch you work as you purify the silver and the And the jeweler said, I'll be glad for you to do that. And so watched as as this refiner of silver was refining. And she asked this question, so how will you know when the silver has been refined enough, when it's been purified? And this is what the refiner said. That's easy. When I can see myself in it. That's when. I will know that it's ready. Perhaps this gives us just an image of what God is doing. I understand for some of us right now there's there's this this big block in our way and we can't see God. We can't see what God is doing. We we don't know what God is doing. But I'll tell you this. When God is finished refining us through the difficulties of our lives and he, he can see himself in us, then you and I will see God more clearly than we ever have before. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. And the reason the world doesn't understand us and know us is that the world didn't know him. Brothers and sisters, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known but we know that when he comes we will see him as he is and we will be like him let's pray father I thank you that you are doing something in our lives today I pray for those who are enduring hardship I suppose we're all enduring some kind of hardship today. And I thank you, God, that you are faithful, that all our lives you have been faithful, and all our lives you have been so, so good. Life has not always been good. The circumstances of life have not always been good. And Lord, we don't believe that you cause every bad thing that happens to us but I thank you that you redeem everything you allow and that you are working for our good. God, give us a harvest, we pray, so that we who are weeping as we carry sheaves of grain will someday come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.